Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. So I wasn't with you last week because I was in Bournemouth taking my eldest son to university. Exciting for him, a bit sad for mum and dad on one level, but super exciting for us as well because there's more food for me at home. Um, yes, so it was great to be able to go and help Alex settle in uh, to his room and get him all set up. Um, and then also to be able to get to see a little bit of Bournemouth. And I was really impressed, to be honest. I loved it. Um, and one of the highlights for me was the food. <clears throat> so now, if you've heard some, any of my sermons from a while back, I, I've been told that one of the most memorable sermons that people remember that I preached about, I, I talked about steak. And I think I left people feeling hungry to go home and eat steak. And so when I said to them, what was my sermon about? They said, I don't know. But I, all I know is that I really wanted some steak. So I'm going to speak about food again today. And I'm hoping in some way or other, you'll help to, you'll remember the link between the food and the spiritual food. Amen. It's not just physical, it's spiritual. So uh, one of the places that I got to go, which I really love, is Nando's. I do love some Nando's. Um, but while we were at, there's like a, a leisure place there in Bournemouth called BH2, and it's got cinemas, and then it's full of restaurants. And as we were walking along, like, outside, I looked up and I saw a sign for Five Guys, and that triggered something in my mind. And I'd remembered seeing about this food chain called Five Guys on the internet. And I guess it were people, it's an American burger chain, and it were guys comparing Five Guys with other, you know, burger chains and which was better. Anyway, uh, but I thought, I, I'm quite keen to go and try Five Guys Burger and see what all these guys are talking about. So, <clears throat> you know that not every burger is a great burger. How many of you can agree? You know, there's a difference between when you go to a burger van and all you get is a five-day-old bun and a three-day-old patty and maybe a cold bit of cheese and that's it. And it is like eating sawdust. Now, I'm not talking about one of those burgers. This burger was significantly different. Some people like McDonald's. Anyone like McDonald's burgers? Put your hand up. Don't be shy. Thank you, Horia. Don't hate him, everybody else. Uh, I prefer uh, the Whopper from Burger King. Does anyone agree with me? I like a bit of salad and a bit of onion on it. I'm taking you on a tour of burgers today. Well, anyway, we went to Five Guys and they have this quite simple menu. You, the, the, the burger kind of comes standard. I think there's like a, a regular burger that has two patties on it. And then there's a cheeseburger which has two patties and two bits of American cheese, really nice cheese and a few other kind of things. But then it's a bit like Subway, where you kind of add the toppings that you want, right? And so it's a bit bewildering, because there's so many options, and all the toppings are free. You just pay for the burger, and you add all the toppings on. Anyway, let me get to the point. There was a line called All The Way, right? And basically, it is half of the ingredients that you can have on a burger. I guess it's quite a popular. And I was stood there and I was looking at all these. And I was like, how do I choose? I'll have the all the way, please. Just I don't want the mushrooms. 
And so anyway, we, we sat down and the burger came and it was wrapped in tin foil. Not a great start. Uh, unraveled this, this burger and it was a little bit kind of damp looking as you would expect from something wrapped in tin foil. But let me tell you what, when I wrapped my lips around that burger, <laughs> I can't tell you what I was feeling. I have to honestly say, it was the best burger I have ever eaten. Where's that photograph? If you could pop that photograph up. If my son was here, which he's not, he'd be very upset with me right now. But there's the burger. He had the same one as me. It was so good. I mean, it was tasty meat, juicy, like the perfect combination of ingredients and sauces. It was like one bite, two bites, three bites, burger finished. Oh, there's the chips. Let's eat some chips. It was so good. And the chips. How many of you like McDonald's chips over like Burger King chips? No? I prefer McDonald's chips. But these chips were insane. They were skin on, you know. You can have them salted. They came double fried, perfectly seasoned. Again, I was just, Alex both, and I, we both sat there across from each other and looked at each other and were like, man, that burger was out of this world. Out of this world. How many of you have ever used that phrase before? Out of this world. Don't you think it's a bit of a strange phrase? Like, what you're saying when you say that something is out of this world is you're saying, it's so good, it has to be from another planet. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? That burger was so good that I, I think it was heavenly. It was out of this world. Which leads me, strangely, to my scripture today. Uh, John chapter 18, and it's verse I'm not sure which one it is, 36 maybe, Jesus says, listen now, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, he's saying, and this is my interpretation, is out of this world. If it were of this world, he's saying, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. Which is hard for us to understand because all we know is this life. Amen. But I believe that when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, he was likening it to that phrase that we use out of this world. He was saying it is not what you understand. It is beyond. It is so much better, so much more amazing. If you thought this life was great. I reckon Jesus would be saying, it's like a burger van burger. But my kingdom is like a five guys burger. Amen? So good. The best you've ever had. That for me is a real positive. For some of us, we can't imagine his kingdom and what he's talking about. As I'm sure the people at the time who heard him speaking were like, okay, I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, but I believe that the, the, what Jesus was trying to convey is that's not a bad thing. Because, you know, when I look around the world, as I get older, my eyes see things and I feel a bit sadder and sadder when I look out around the world. 
And so when Jesus says to me, to me and to you today that my kingdom is not of this world, it actually enables me to feel hopeful. And as I speak today, I want you to have that same sense because we're in the middle of a series called The Kingdom of God. Today is part four. And what we're trying to emphasize is this phrase that Jesus used when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So what does he mean when he says that? Let's try and understand together. Let's look at uh, Rizal if we can. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. Jesus is speaking and he says, Now this I say, brethren, sorry, Paul speaking, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. That doesn't sound great. That doesn't sound great. What do you mean that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? And he goes on to say, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Makes a bit more sense. You know, you and I experience this life through our five senses. Amen? Let's try and remember them together. Our sight, our hearing, our smell, our taste and our touch. Everything in this life, we translate our understanding through those five senses. Amen. And I believe that this is what Jesus is saying is the kingdom that I'm talking about, you haven't experienced it before. You don't understand because all you understand is sense, sensual stuff, your five senses. That is your baseline understanding. But Jesus is saying my kingdom it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you touch. My kingdom is beyond that. And they're like, okay, I'm trying to understand what you're saying here. Luke uh, chapter 17, verses 20 to 21. Jesus says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Okay. So I can't see it with my eyes. That means it's not on this earth. It's not something that I've ever experienced before. It's not somewhere that I can travel to. I mean, we're all getting excited about holidays and restrictions lifting and where we might go. And I see petitions online about take this country off the red list and take that one off the red list. But the kingdom of God is not a place that you travel to on this earth. Because Jesus is saying you can't observe it. It's not observable. Nor will they say here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. What? So it's not in the world. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't smell it. But it's inside of me. I'm a physical being. I don't understand. I'm confused, Jesus. What are you saying here? The kingdom of God is not observable, and yet it's inside me. So how do I experience this kingdom of yours, Jesus? I guess people might be saying, I'm feeling quite confused right now. Let's go to John chapter 3 and verse 5 to 6. Jesus says there, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's a physical thing, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay, so you're saying that my body can't inherit the kingdom of God, but it's a spiritual thing. What does what does that mean? Now, if you think about you, what makes you you? Obviously, I'm looking at you, and I recognize you, and I say, "Hey, that's Jane," because I know what she looks like. And that's Tinashe, and that's Andrew, and that's Jake, right? We are our physical, aren't we? This flesh and bone, the blood, the tendons, the muscles, the fluids. But we're more than just flesh and blood, aren't we? You know, I, I have this shell, but I feel like the real me is not the bit you see. The bit that is unseen is my character is the way I think, the way I value things, my, my emotions, my temperament, my choices. That's another part of me, isn't it? So I've got my body, and then I've got that part of me that is invisible, what we often call the soul. Your soul is who you are on the inside. Amen? As you get older, many will say, my mind feels young, but my body doesn't. That's a great way to distinguish between the two. Amen. My mind wants to do something and my body says, hang on, wait a minute. I'm trying to keep up. Okay. And then we have this third part of who we are now. Listen carefully, which is the spiritual, eternal part of us. Amen. The God-like part, if you will. And so flesh that which is born of the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but that which is born of the Spirit. The Spirit, each one of us has a Spirit that is connected more directly. And it's almost like the part that overlaps us, the part that overlaps our physical body and our invisible who we are, the Spirit of God. That part is the part which experiences the kingdom of God. Amen? Are you with me so far? Are you confused? Good. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. My point that I want to make at this junction in this message is that there is nothing physically that you can do. There is nothing physically that qualifies you to inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? It's important that you understand that at this point because we don't deserve the kingdom of God. We're not worthy. Remember earlier it says that corrupt cannot inherit the incorrupt. We are all broken, like the world is broken. Like when I look around and I see wars and how people treat each other, I feel sad because we're all broken, amen? And I feel hopeless for people who don't know God because that's all they will ever know. The physical, that adds nothing to the equation of inheriting eternal life. So how, how do we inherit this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Let's go to John chapter three, and we're gonna read from verse 13 to verse 17. Jesus speaking. He says, No one has ascended to heaven, 
but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Try and get your head around that one. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. That whoever believes in him, okay, so we're talking about how do I inherit this kingdom of God? And we're starting to get a clue. Whoever believes in him should not perish physically, yes, but more importantly, spiritually. When our body dies, our spirit lives on. And this is what Jesus is saying. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, there's that word again, believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, there's a clue, through him might be saved might be saved. Thank God for his kindness. So I think it's verse 14 there. Jesus is saying, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So if you go to the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 21, you can do this in your own time. There's a story there about um, an outbreak of poisonous snakes that are biting and killing people left, right, and center. And Moses comes before the Lord and says, God, please save us from these snakes. And God says to Moses, I want you to create a bronze serpent, and I want you to put it up on a stick, and I want you to raise it up. Does this sound familiar? And when someone is bitten by a poisonous snake and they look at that bronze snake up on that stick, they will be healed. And so Moses did what the Lord said. And lo and behold, God's word is true, always true. And as people looked at that bronze serpent that was raised up, they were healed from the toxins of the snake bite. And so now Jesus is... We're trying to understand how can I inherit this kingdom of God? And Jesus said it's about believing. And we've kind of highlighted the point. It's through what Jesus has did. And so when we look at this picture in the book of Numbers chapter 21, it is a beautiful. And Jesus references this and he's talking about himself. It's a prophetic image. As that bronze serpent is lifted up, Jesus was to be lifted up on a cross. And as people looked at that bronze serpent on the cross, they were healed. And as we look at Jesus dying on the cross, in effect, Jesus became the toxin, the snake for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer the consequences of that. So let me put it this way. Sin has bitten all of us. Amen. And when we see Jesus lifted up on the cross, dying in our place for our sins, and we say, I believe, Jesus, that you did that for me. I believe that it's for me now, and I receive what you did for me on a cross. I believe it, and I receive it. The Bible says, then 
we enter the kingdom of God. Our spirit becomes saved. Amen? So it's like we've used this phrase many times. Uh, our spirit, that spirit man inside of us, the part that is most like God, is healed, completely saved, completely righteous, vacuum-packed for eternity. Amen? When we say we're saved, we mean that our spirit is completely saved, the eternal part of us. Uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll realize that you don't always live correctly. Amen? And so that physical part of us, that, that temperament, that decision maker, that character, that is being saved. As we hear the word of God and as we submit to the word of God, we change just that little bit more. Amen? Our spirit is completely sorted, but in this life, we're not there yet. That's what I'm saying. Amen? So how do we enter the kingdom of God? We look at Jesus on the cross. We say, yes, I believe that you did it for me, God. I believe that there's nothing that I contribute to this transaction. I'm purely saved because of your goodness. You took the punishment that I should have taken, and you were raised up and brought back to life, and I'm alive in you. That's what we say. That's what we mean when we say, believe Verse 15, whoever. I love it. It's not those of a certain background, those of a certain financial standing, those of a certain education or from a particular place. Whoever believes. Faith is what I'm talking about. It's like a sixth sense. It's the only one that truly matters in eternity, amen? The ability to apply what I've understood and say, yes, I wrap my heart around that. That is what I want for me. Faith is the key that unlocks the door, believing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, when I look out into the world, when I watch the news, Yes, it's all negative. There is a lot of good stuff happening in the world, but I'm old enough to realize that the world cannot save itself. I've seen mankind, generation after generation, trying to be the king of its own life, and all it reaps is death and sadness and despair, and there's no hope. I sound really depressing right now. But I, I want you to understand that whilst a lot of good happens in the world, the world has nothing to offer you for eternity. Because all of this that you've ever known is going to be wiped away in the blink of an eye. And it will be eternity for eternity. Amen? This life is not all there is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I can stand here today as a man full of hope because I understand that I have a Savior who has conquered life and death, who is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, who has sent His Holy Spirit to come and be my helper, to help me live a life that uplifts Jesus and points to Jesus, that brings life and hope. I don't preach about a government. While some of them are great, many of them are rubbish. Some of them start with great intentions and they die dismally failing. Okay? I don't preach about money. 
I don't preach about holidays. I preach about Jesus because there's hope in him alone. And if your hope is built on anything in this life, please can I urge you today to think again because it contributes zero to your eternal bank balance. Amen? Salvation is found. Hope is found. Life is found in Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I believe and I'm filled with hope because I have faith. It's the substance and the evidence of things unseen. So, we've understood so far. Quick summary. Five guys out of this world burger. Jesus said, my kingdom is out of this world. He's saying, guys, you've seen nothing yet. You know, he comes before Pilate and Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus is thinking, why would I want to be a king on earth? I'm the king of heaven. You don't understand what you're even talking about when you say that, Pilate. My kingdom is not from this place. My kingdom is so much greater. Amen. Hope for you and me. How do we get there? We see Jesus on a cross. We see him dying for me, not just for my friend and my neighbor, but for me. I repent of my sins. I say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've done. Thank you that you forgave me. When you died on the cross, you forgave the sins of everyone who had been before. You forgave the sins of every person that was living then. And you forgave the sins of every person who were to come. The sins you haven't committed yet, I'm forgiven for them all. Thank you, Jesus, that you're my righteousness. That's truth, amen? So we enter the kingdom by understanding that, but it's really important now, listen to me. How do we live our lives for the Lord? By faith as well. Amen? You know, the temptation is sometimes, I come to Jesus and I realize I'm a filthy, rotten scoundrel. And I realized that I need saving, that I, you know, I can't offer him anything. I, I remember I did this one good thing one time. Oh, it's not enough. I have to be perfect. Can't be perfect. I'm a broken human being. So I come to Jesus and I realize that. And, and I say, Jesus, you're the one who saves me. And I receive your forgiveness, Lord. Thank you. By faith, I believe. And then I start reading my Bible. And it says, you, you, you need to be like this. This is not good. This is good. And I stop doing some of the bad things. And I start start to think I'm, I'm brushing up quite nicely now you know I've been a Christian for 10 years and I've worked through a bunch of stuff and I'm, I'm getting good at this stuff and without realizing it we slip into this fleshly way of living where we say yep I, I, I was born again because of Jesus but now I'm a good Christian because I've got Jesus and I'm really good you know, and we start to live our lives thinking that we're progressing because of who we are and who we've become. And Jesus says, no, you started the journey in faith. Every step is in faith. Why is that important? Why is that important for us? You know, because sometimes we fall into this trap about how I'm feeling about how I'm doing as a Christian. Have you ever had that little voice in your mind saying, you suck a bit at the moment, James. 
You're, um, you know, let's be honest. I only know you by what I know you, but you know you. Amen? And uh, you can come to church on a Sunday and you can put on a nice shirt and you can put a bit of product in your hair and you'd be like, and I think, oh, there's a good guy. But inside, you know, you're not that guy. And the devil likes to come, amen? And he likes to remind you because he's just a liar. When he lies, the Bible says he speaks his native language. He doesn't know how to speak truth. It's always lies. And he wants to make you feel guilty. He wants to make you feel ashamed. He wants to tell you, you shouldn't go to church today because you're not good enough. You're not one of those people. You're just a hypocrite. And you know what happens there? You start to fall into that, well, I don't feel, I don't feel right. I don't feel like I'm where I should be. Uh, I don't feel like I'm saved anymore. And it becomes all about feelings. But remember what I said at the beginning of my sermon, when I talked about the fact that the kingdom of God is not experienced through our feelings. Amen? Our, our, the kingdom of God is, we get saved because we see the truth of Jesus on the cross and we apply our hearts and our minds and say, yes, that's truth, Lord. Your word says it's true. I believe it's true. And because of that, I receive life. I'm not saved because I'm a good guy. I don't stay saved because I'm a good guy. I'm purely saved because Jesus died for me and he took the punishment in my place. And now the Bible says, I, even when I don't feel like it, am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, when God looks at you, it's like you are hidden in Christ. He sees Jesus and you're inside him. Amen. And so this is why in Galatians, um, Paul writes to them in chapter 3 and verses 1 to 3. Let's have a quick look there. I'm getting ready to finish now. <clears throat> oh, foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you get saved by being a good person? No. Or by the hearing of faith? Yes. I saw Jesus. I understood Him crucified. I believed I was saved. I didn't feel great on that day, but when I realized I was saved, I felt amazing. Amen? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? He's basically telling them again, guys, remember, you did nothing to start this journey. And whilst you are not the same person, you can't take any credit for that. It's only because of Jesus that you've changed. He's saying, Stop listening to how you're feeling about yourself. Just remember who you are. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are hidden in Christ. You are made perfect by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Stop feeling like you are a failure. Stop feeling condemned. 
Stop walking away thinking you can't come back. I love this image that when I am in that moment where I feel like I've failed the Lord, where I feel like I'm far away from the Lord, all he says, it's like, Jesus, you're, let's just pretend for a second, it's not true, but you're God. And I'm walking away feeling like I'm rubbish. I can't go back. I won't be accepted. And I've, and I've walked a long way away. The Bible says all you have to do is turn. You don't have to work your way back to Jesus. You don't have to do 15 good things to get to the point where you left. All you have to do is say, sorry, Lord, and turn and face him again. And you know what you didn't realize? Whilst you were walking, he was right there. And when you turned around, it's like, oh. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? My kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world. Everything you understand is because of what you've experienced in this life. But I have come from another place, Jesus said. An eternal place. And a forever place. And I've done stuff for you that is forever stuff. You are mine, he says. And nothing that you can do, like you didn't do anything to become saved, you can't do anything to not be saved. Does that not make sense? You can feel like you're not saved anymore, but that doesn't mean it's true, amen? God will never let you go. You have to divorce him to lose your salvation. And that's not something that happens by accident. I'll just leave that there because that's the whole other sermon. Amen? You may be here today and you feel like, I don't know how I got here today. Praise God you are. I want you to be hopeful today. If you are one of those people who has been walking or seemingly walking away from Jesus, feeling like you can't go back because you don't deserve his goodness, let me just be honest, you don't, nor do I. Just turn around and you're right back. You're right back face to face with a God who gave his life for you so that he could know you for eternity. Aren't you grateful? that you can't hop on a plane and go to the kingdom of God. Because you know what it'll be like? Jersey. Same rubbish, same kind of people, same nonsense, just slightly different. Amen? His ways are so much higher. His kingdom is so much higher. And the key that I want to leave you with today is it's, it's all about believing. It's not about feeling. Say, believing. Say it again. Not feeling, it's believing. So how do you believe? By hearing the word of God and accepting it as truth in your life. That's, that's as simple a transaction as it is. It's not about how you feel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.